The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Share the Big Ten title and a chance to win it outright next week and a guaranteed spot in a BCS Bowl from 39 yards. Barkley up and good! And that's what a championship game should be all about. Ohio State has won its fifth straight Big Ten title. They are almost certainly heading to the Rose Bowl for the first time since after the 1996 season. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyesmike.com. The Iowa-Ohio State game highlights are courtesy of ABC with Sean McDonough and Matt Millen. A very nice job calling the game by McDonough. Millen can be a little strange at times, but overall pretty good. We very much appreciate it and thank them. These football programs come to you following every game during the entire season. You'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and Pat Hardy's opinions. You'll hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Kurt Ferentz and Tim Brewster. We'll take a look at the Big Ten Conference, and we'll also preview the Iowa-Minnesota game. This week's Marv Cook segment will be extended a little bit with some thoughts on what it means to be a Hawkeye and play in your senior day. You won't want to miss that. And during the course of the season, we also hope to hear from you, the Iowa fans. We invite you to share your comments each week by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. Kevin Barkley's kick down to Darrell Johnson Culianos. He escapes. Makes another good move, and he's off to the races. He will score! Darrell Johnson Culianos touchdown, and Iowa is right back in it. How do you answer a big play? Easy, with another big play. Just a little bit of a juggle on the front end of it, and Sean, he got a, a, a lane to the outside, and it was over. Kirk Ferentz said he wanted the game to be close in the fourth quarter. Thought it was slipping away with a 14-point game, and now we're right back into the middle of a big one. Okay, so all of the so-called experts said this game was essentially over before the opening kickoff. Vegas had the spread at 17. Ohio State fans were already planning their trip to Pasadena. But none of that mattered to the resilient Iowa Hawkeyes and redshirt freshman James Vandenberg, who was making his first college game start under the most difficult of circumstances. The Hawks' defense was solid, matching Ohio State's blow for blow. And Iowa's offense performed beyond almost anyone's realistic expectations. Vandenberg played a great game, but was victimized by critical dropped passes, including one right on the numbers in the end zone by wide receiver Trey Strauss that ultimately loomed very large. Iowa took the Buckeyes into overtime before falling by a field goal 27-24. Adam Robinson returned from his ankle injury and turned in a very solid performance, something even more important since running back Brandon Wager was a game-time scratch. Adrian Claiborne played another terrific game. Darrell Johnson-Kulianos continued 
continues to demonstrate why he is one of the Big Ten's top playmakers, this time returning a kickoff 99 yards for a touchdown in the fourth quarter that put the Hawks right back into the game. Marvin McNutt and Tony Moyaki also stepped up big again at critical moments in this contest. Even Hawk fans who had their doubts going into this one, for good reason, had to be extremely impressed by the team's performance. The only major controversy coming out of the game was the decision by head coach Kirk Ferentz at the end of regulation play. Iowa had the ball at the 33-yard line with one timeout and nearly a minute left, and Ferentz decided to let the clock run out and play for overtime instead of taking at least one shot downfield. A lot of fans and some commentators were disappointed and puzzled with that decision, especially with the Hawks eventually losing in overtime. Nevertheless, this was everything a conference championship game should be, except the outcome for Iowa fans. Now the Hawks return to Kinnick Stadium this Saturday to play Minnesota with a lot on the line. It's senior day. They still have a chance to finish the regular season at 10-2. And, and if Michigan can upset Ohio State in Ann Arbor, the Hawks can tie for the Big Ten title. With a solid performance against the Gophers, Iowa has a realistic shot at a BCS Bowl game, perhaps the Fiesta Bowl. With Vandenberg's performance in Columbus, fans should feel more positive about their chances in this one. Great story. Compelling and rich. Third down and six. Quick throw, Vandenberg, and it is caught for the touchdown, Marvin McNutt. Sean, we talked about the juice that he puts in the ball, and a couple guys haven't been able to hang on to it. Well, this juice is in a really tight window between two defenders and right on top of them. Kurt Coleman, the safety was there, check while the corner was there, but McNutt comes down with the ball because of a fantastic throw by Vandenberg. Yeah, he threw a McBullock to McNutt. <laughs> First career touchdown pass for James Vandenberg. There'll be plenty more. HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. A quick review of game notes and key stats is brought to you by Prefens Botanicals Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary new hand sanitizer that kills bacteria, viruses, and fungi for up to 24 hours with just a single application. To learn more, go to www.prefensbotanicals.com. Prefens is now the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa football team, the men's and women's basketball teams, and the defending NCAA champion Iowa Hawkeyes wrestling team. The win last Saturday clinches the Buckeyes a spot in the 2010 Rose Bowl. Iowa trailed by 14 points in the fourth quarter of that contest, rallied to tie the game, but ultimately fell in overtime. Iowa is now tied with Wisconsin and Penn State in a three-way tie for second place in the Big Ten. Iowa played its sixth overtime game. The Hawks are now 4-2 and all-time in overtime contests. Ohio State collected three Hawkeye interceptions, while Iowa was unable to record a takeaway against the Buckeyes. Iowa won the toss and elected to defer with Ohio State electing to receive. That was a good choice with Vandenberg starting his first game. Nevertheless, the Hawkeyes have started the game on offense in 113 of 134 games under Ference. Redshirt freshman quarterback James Vandenberg did start for his first time in his career. He ended up completing 20 of 33 passes for 233 yards. His nine-yard scoring strike to Marvin McNutt in the third period marked his first career TD pass. Adam Robinson led Iowa's rushing game with 20 carries for 
for 74 yards, and he had 13 yards on two receptions. His yardage now is the most ever for an Iowa freshman. DJK's 99-yard kickoff return for a touchdown in the fourth period was the first time that Iowa had returned a kickoff for a score since C.J. Jones had a 100-yard return against Southern Cal in the opening play of the 2003 Orange Bowl. That 99-yard return also ties as the fourth longest in Iowa history. Linebacker Pat Angerer had another solid game. He recorded a game-high 13 tackles. Defensive end Adrian Claiborne added a career-high 12 stops, and outside linebacker A.J. Eads had 10. Claiborne also had a game-high three tackles for loss, including a sack. And as a unit, Iowa collected seven tackles for loss, including two sacks. The attendance at Ohio Stadium of 105,455 marks the 14th largest crowd for an Iowa football game. Ohio State is the second Iowa opponent this season to not have a turnover. Iowa has at least one turnover in nine of 11 games. Saturday's game also marked the seventh time in 11 contests that Iowa has been tied or trailed after three periods. Three Hawkeye players returned to action after missing games, and they were all critical. Running back Adam Robinson, wideout Colin Sandeman, who also returns punts, and safety Brett Greenwood. And wide receiver Marvin McNutt now has five scoring receptions in Iowa's last four games. Key stats, first downs, Iowa had 16 to Ohio State's 20. Net yards rushing, 229 to 67 with Ohio State dominating that category. On the other hand, though, net yards passing, the Hawks had 233 to the Buckeyes, 93. Total offense, 300 yards for the Hawks, 322 for Ohio State. Possession time was in Ohio State's favor, 33.52 to 26.08. Third down conversions, 3 of 10 for Iowa, 8 of 17 for the Buckeyes. And red zone scoring chances, the Hawks were 3 of 4, while Ohio State was 2 of 2. Up your butt, Joe Boo. Time running down now. Here's Nannenberg, one-on-one coverage, and a great catch by McNutt over the defender, Chekwa, to snatch it. And they're an extra point away from a tie. What a great back shoulder throw by Vandenberg. Well thrown, six points. We got a game. Huge extra point. Murray's been shaky. The missed short field goal and the kickoff out of bounds, and he drives that one through. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz talks about the performance of quarterback James Vandenberg in his first start last Saturday at Ohio State. Probably doesn't come much tougher than Ohio State. You know, you could you could rank a couple other places up there with it, and then you add to the degree of difficulty with a fairly inexperienced quarterback. But to me, what it showed Saturday is that James has been doing his homework. You know, he's been really attentive. He's he's you know. Uh, been running our offense basically since uh, last December. He you know, got a lot of work in December and then certainly through spring practice. So, yeah, he's a quick learner. He's uh, prepared well. Uh, and I think he showed he's got a lot of poise. And, and uh, you know, but you never know until you see a guy in game conditions. And, and certainly I don't think it was fair for anybody to judge him on what happened two weeks two weeks ago, mainly because he got thrown in cold and uh, – uh, unfortunately, hadn't had the luxury of throwing 20, 30 balls during the course of the year this year. So I think that would have made a huge difference. And that's probably what we saw Saturday. You know, now the next step is, you know, what do you do week two? And uh, we'll find that out this week. But I, I think, you know, we got a lot of confidence in him, just like we had confidence when Robinson jumped in there, Weger jumped in there. You know, we've had a lot of guys step in, Reef, uh, Joe Conklin, a lot of guys have stepped in and, and done some good things for us. And 
Uh, that's what you hope happens. But again, it's, it's I acknowledge the fact that it is tough for a quarterback. There's there's no doubt about that, and it's a real credit to James what he what he did last week getting ready. Ferentz was asked how much help Ricky Stanzi gave Vandenberg last week. Oh well, yeah, he he was with him outside of last Monday. He was with him all week long, and you know the three of these guys. I mean, they're like the. Uh, three amigos i mean they're together all the time uh and I've, I've said that before you know that really since last uh spring ball this has been a, just it's a, a good group you go on the field all three of these guys like football they're kind of football junkies they got good personalities they they work with each other well and uh i think rick uh felt like you know his his role last week was to really be with him uh, at his side at all times and uh you saw him together an awful lot so it's uh it was good to see and that's what you hope you have on a team, and, and those three guys in particular really have a nice chemistry. They're just, uh, you know, it's, it's good when you have players that like each other like that. It's a good deal. Ferentz was asked again about his controversial decision to not take a shot at the end of regulation play. I guess maybe I had a little tougher time releasing those two interception returns that took place in the second half. Those were more prominent in my thoughts maybe than some other people's. Um, you know, what I didn't want to do is, you know, we had played our tails off for 59 minutes. Uh, to me, it was better to get to middle ground for our, for our football team at that point. Yeah, I figured uh, both teams starting out even. Yeah, it might be a better way unless we had done something there, punt return, shank punt. You know, snuck a run on them in that first play. I just didn't like the odds of uh, you know 52 seconds or whatever it was and 70 yards. And again, I, I had two plays kind of fixated in my mind. I didn't want to. You know, that number 90 got down. I feel pretty quick with the ball in his arm, so I guess i got to think about those things, too. And Kirk talks about his starting senior linebackers, Pat Anger and A.J. Eads. Both those guys, because they're, they're basically opposites almost in every uh, regard. If you look at their, the history of their careers, uh, A.J.'s has been very, very smooth. He's probably going after Gary Barta's job as soon as he gets out of, out of football. Uh, fortunately, he wants to go to administration, not coaching. Or maybe he'll be a you know, president of a bank or something like that. That's what he looks like. Pat might be after someone else's job, you know, WWA or whatever they call that stuff. So, you know, a little different personality-wise. You know, AJ's uh, had really a pretty smooth course, and I'm not minimizing his career. But, you know, he came in, he was the number two guy right away and played special teams and a three-year starter. And it's just done a great, great job. Uh, Pat, Pat's come a tougher road, uh, and Pat's road has not been fun at all times. You know, I think that's pretty well documented. Everybody did that story last year, and it's a great story. And but, but uh, at the end of the day, both guys have really emerged as great leaders. And the difference, probably playing wise, is you know AJ's playing out there at a position that's more. It's it's so key to our defense. Yet it's it's not as pronounced because statistically, it's just how it works out. Uh, but we can't play good defense without somebody in that position playing great. LeVar Woods comes to mind right away. And then, then Pat's, Pat's right in the hub of things where he's got to do an awful lot, and it fits his his personality demeanor very, very well. So they're both they're, they're very different stories, but great stories. And that that's the neat thing about football. I mean, we get 17 good stories out of the senior class, and they're all, all different in their own ways, but they're all the same, too. It's just a, it's a nice deal. And Ferentz reflects on this year's senior class. I just think they've done a great job. You know, it starts, uh, again, I go back to last year. Uh, you know, I, I've really enjoyed these last two years. We've had two groups that have just been fun to be around. Uh, the seniors did a great job last year, but the guys underneath them were helping out. And I think those those guys, as they have moved up the chain, have carried it on. So it's, uh, you know, how they carry themselves around this building in their workouts, you know, they do a lot of working out during the course of the year, what they're doing academically, uh, just in social settings, etc. how they travel, you know, the way people at uh, visiting hotels, people that, uh, you know, fly us around or bus us around, 
know, the feedback you get, all those things are important. You know, that, that's what uh, they all go into my evaluation. And uh, I can't say enough about the senior class, what they've done. They've just done a great job. Minnesota head coach Tim Brewster was asked about Iowa quarterback James Vandenberg's performance at Columbus. I thought Vandenberg really handled himself extremely well uh, uh, in that type of environment there in Columbus, and uh, he really did a great job. Uh, they're not doing much different from, you know, when Stanzi was the quarterback there, they're allowing him to play the game, and they do what they do, and, you know, I, I don't you know, see much difference at all in their offense. He's just really done a great job. Uh, you know, I, I get uh, real admiration for how that young guy stepped in there and played. Brewster was asked about Iowa's defense this season. You know, they're just outstanding. I mean, Claiborne's one of the best defensive ends. Uh, Benz is an outstanding player. I just think that the, the thing about it, they're so physical up front. They do a great job with their front four. Uh, they don't have to add a fifth rusher, a sixth rusher to get pressure on the quarterback. And when you can do that, it makes everything else easier. And so, uh, uh, that's the thing I see when I look at Iowa's defense. Brewster was asked if he plans to use last year's route as motivation this week against Iowa. Obviously, we understand. We know exactly what happened uh, last year. Obviously, Iowa was much better than us uh, the day we played them. Uh, they played an outstanding game, and we did not play well. And uh, certainly, we all understand the outcome of that game, but that was last year. This is a whole new year. It's a totally different team. And uh, we're excited about the opportunity that we had this week, we're excited to get on the practice field this afternoon and, and prepare and uh, uh, it's a huge challenge for us to go down there obviously they're a big favorite in the game and and rightfully so and uh, but again we're going to do a great job in preparation we're going to take a confident bunch down there and, and look forward to playing the game. Brewster was asked about the importance of this rivalry and trophy game. A very meaningful trophy uh, trophy game uh, the Florida Rosedale it's a it's a big rivalry and, and it's important to the state of Minnesota and so uh, uh, to our players to our fans it's important to everybody. And so, uh, we're again, like I said, we're going to do a great job with our preparation this week, and we're going to take a football team down there that's excited to play. Brewster was also asked about the Big Ten's new bowl lineup that takes effect after next season. Yeah, I really do. I think that, uh, you know, New Year's Day, uh, New Year's Eve is, is very meaningful. Uh, I think that you associate great bowl games with New Year's Day games, New Year's Eve games. And so, you know, I think that's really positive. I think Jim Delaney's done a, a great job and. Uh, uh, getting us, getting Big Ten representation in the bowl games and, and particularly the bowl games that we're now going to be part of. I think it's very positive. And Brewster talks about the importance of getting diversity in terms of which team go to which bowl games, how often? You know, your fans want to see different parts of the country and experience different things and so the opportunity to move around and play in different games in different places I think is really positive not only for your team but particularly as you said for your fans. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks to make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly stint on HawkeyesMike.com. Sean Patchett visits with Marv, where Marv also spends some time talking about Senior Day and what it means to be a Hawk. Almost no one gave Iowa a chance or much respect going into the Ohio State game, yet they turned in what was arguably their best performance of the year in a thrilling contest. Well, I think, the, I think we did, didn't we? Did we talk about it last week that 
Uh, Ohio State was ranked 19th five weeks ago for a reason. I still, I, think, I still think Iowa's the best Big Ten team, which is frustrating to me because uh, I truly think they are the best Big Ten team this, se- this season. And, uh, but, yeah, I mean, Vandenberg, no one really knew how Vandenberg would do, and I thought he was just outstanding. You know, and it gets back to kind of the, some of the discussions we've had that he's Ricky Stanzi 10 weeks ago, you know, where he makes some of those mistakes where he doesn't see the backer and, you know, and doesn't look in front of the receiver and then he throws a pick. But, but for the most part, I thought he was really good with his throws. Um, looks like he's got a really live arm when he throws the ball. He throws it almost too hard for the receiver sometimes. But, you know, that'll come just from recognition and from timing and things. But, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, obviously – to uh, go into overtime on the road, and that atmosphere with you know with uh, the Big Ten champs is uh, a great great deal for the Hawks. No moral victories and losses, but um, ultimately uh, you know a good representation of the Hawks. Uh, there's a lot of controversy surrounding Kirk's decision to not go for the win regulation. Um, seems like every coach makes mistakes, and a lot of people are believing this was a big one by Kirk. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, you know, you know, I heard the announcers saying that Coach Ferentz wasn't comfortable with his kicking game uh, before the game, and I'm not sure if that's that, that was taken out of context or not. But if you're not comfortable with your kicking game, then you have a chance with 2:30 to go to try to win it by going for two, and then if you don't go get it there, you actually if you hold them, and they don't get a first down, they have to punt it back, and then you can kick a field goal to win the game anyway. So, you know, he had a couple different chances I thought to try to take a game and win a game on the road. But, um, you know, we went to overtime. We had just as good a chance as Ohio State to win that game. And, and ultimately, um, you know, it wasn't meant to be. Uh, disappointing to me. I mean, you call timeout, you get the ball with 50 seconds. If you, if you move it 35 yards with screens, with comebacks, with boots, you know, you get some positive plays, you can line up and try a 54-yarder for the win, and if he misses it, no big deal. You know, you go to overtime. But so a little disappointing. But um, you know, that's kind of the way they've been for the last seven, ten years. Is they play close games, they play it close to the vest. I mean, that's kind of their their uh, their mo. So you can't you can't fault them for for the success they've had recently with the the, the style of play that they have. Well, it seems that the team came out a little flat in overtime. Do you think Kirk's decision may have sent the wrong message or negatively impacted the players? Well, I, I think Ohio State just stepped up and, and you know, they made it, they got a couple negative plays. That's the one thing you have to avoid when you're on the 25-yard line is negative plays. You can't take sacks. You can't take minus seven-yard runs uh, and, and knock you out of field goal position. So, I mean, it's just, uh, uh, you know, I, I think it's partly attributed to Ohio State, but then, you know, like I said, just some, some bad plays. Uh, moving on to more positive things. Can you talk about the performance of James Vandenberg, given the circumstances and everything? Uh, phenomenal. I mean, to be, to, you know, I mean, and the great thing I think from the standpoint of the game plan is that I don't think anything really changed. I mean, it's the same stuff. We're running slants to McNutt. We're running comebacks. We're running boots. You know, we're running the ball to you know stick routes to the tight ends. So I mean, he, he's very similar to Stanzi from that standpoint. So I don't think anything changed from an offensive game plan standpoint. But you know, I just think we saw a guy that's got some composure. That's got some skills. Considering, uh, you know, the game management, clock management, I thought was pretty good considering that's probably the most hostile environment they've been from a crowd noise standpoint. So you got to be very, very pleased about where he's at, you know, in his, in his first career collegiate start. I mean, it's just amazing uh, to play at that level. Um, Iowa fans got to be feeling a lot better about, you know, backup quarterback situation now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, that's, 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 that's why I wish he would have had more experience 
early in the season so he could have played like that against Northwestern because that would have been the difference in the game if he, if he would have had that experience and been able to play you know, with that composure and, and that style. So uh, it's a shame, but it is what it is. And, you know, I think the great thing for the Hawks is, is that it shows bull scouts that whether it's Stansy or Vandenberg or it's, you know, our defense or our offense or whoever, Robinson, Weger, we are a BCS type team. And, and I think it's going to be very, very attractive for a lot of bull scouts when they look at the Hawks. Pat mentioned in an earlier interview that, you know, with Vandenberg with his performance, he could actually push Stanzi. Stanzi's going to be thinking, you know, I got a good backup now behind me. I can't be throwing these interceptions. Do you agree with that? That's exactly what it, bring, it brings to the table. And, and that's, when you have a great team, you've got competitive spring ball. You have competitive guys. When they go in and they know I have to have a great spring or there's a guy behind me. Uh, you know, when I was at Iowa, we had four different tight ends that could have played and started. And so you knew you had every practice you had to go out and get better. And and, and that's just going to help Stanzi. It's going to help Vandenberg be better. And, um, you know, ultimately it's a great thing for the Hawks. Overall, the receivers played a great game, except for Trey Strauss. He was dropping some critical passes. We'll get back to that in a minute. Um, as a wideout or a tight end, how long does it take to adjust to the touch put on passes by different quarterbacks? A little bit. I mean, it's, it, it's a comfort level. You get into habits and you get into routines. and. And, you know, I think the one thing that's different is visually the ball comes out, maybe the different arm slot or different uh, behind a different offensive lineman and in the pocket, things like that. So it's a little bit of a difference, but at the end of the day, you know, receiver's job is to catch the ball. And, and a couple of those were pretty hot. You know, I mean, they were coming out of breaks and it's hard to get your head around and see the ball quick enough. Um, but, you know, ultimately that's what your job is to do is catch those, catch those balls. So. You know, two or three of them were, were difficult catches, but yet, you know, good receivers make those catches. Uh, what do you think exactly was going on with Trey Strauss? You know, probably his worst game as a Hawk. Yeah, I mean, he's normally very, very reliable. And, you know, it's just one of those deals. Like I said, I mean, it was, you go back to Ronnie Harmon in the Rose Bowl and, and whenever that was, 86 or whatever. And, you know, coincidence. I mean, you know, receivers in there, you know, or the ball is in the lights or the ball... Uh, you know, gets on you quicker than you thought, or you drop one, and then all of a sudden now you're worried about it and you're thinking too much, and then the next one's coming in really hot, and you know, and you and you miss that one, and then you're really getting, you know, you get screwed up in the head a little bit. So he, he he'll be over it. He's made so many great plays for the Hawks, and you know, it's one game you put it behind you and you move on. Well, can you talk about exactly how a receiver should try and catch the ball with his hands opposed to his body, and why that's the case? Uh, you know, I. Um, I had a great coach named Raymond Berry, Hall of Fame player, uh, uh, you know, played with Johnny Unitas, great receiver. In my first, one of the first days of practice with the New England Patriots, he took us, the receivers aside and, and spent 15 minutes going over all the different scenarios of how to catch the ball, if it's low and away, if it's high and in, if it's, you know, in, you know, how to have your thumbs, how to have your hands. And, you know, we went over and over and over and just re repeatedly for 15 minutes. And as he was walking away, he said, oh, and the last thing to remember is no matter what, just catch it. You know, so, I mean, he didn't care at the end of the day. He wanted you to do it the right way, but ultimately you just got to find a way to catch the football. And, and so, but yeah, I mean, the one thing is you want to catch the ball with your hands. I mean, ideally you want to catch it uh, with your hands away from your body just because a lot of times there's going to be, at, at the, you know, the Division One level, there's going to be a defender close by. Um, and, you know, you, if you're catching it in your body, he's got a chance to bat the ball down or deflect it. Or if you're catching it out of the way, you, you'll catch it before he gets his hands in there, and then he can tuck it and roll it away. So, you know, it's just, 
it is what it is and it's you know one of the things is concentration it's it's it's, it's a mentality that you know what i refuse to drop balls and and uh, but you're going to have you're going to have drops they're just a part of football and you just want to minimize them what did you think of adam robinson's performance phenomenal i mean that guy um I mean, here's the irony of it. I mean, this kid's a stud, and, and Jewel Hampton's a stud, and Weger's a stud, and what do you do? I mean, you know, and now you got Vandenberg and Stanzi. I mean, you, I mean, to think about the future of Iowa football is pretty mind-numbing right now. Uh, and if you got depth at running back, you got a good football team. And, and I, I thought his performance was phenomenal, coming back first, came back off injuries, and and to play at that level and, and, and to, to just have the impact that he has is, is truly amazing. Talk about the play of the defense. The score doesn't really tell the story. It doesn't. And, you know, I know that Ohio State rushed for over 200 yards, but I, I really felt like our defense was the best defense on the field. I mean, I thought they could not run the ball that effectively. I mean, they would get two or three or four, but, you know, they ripped off the big one after the turnover, the 50-yard touchdown. But I thought for the most part our defense was pretty outstanding. Pryor got loose one time on a third-down conversion that hurt us. But that's Terrell Pryor. I mean, the guy was the most touted recruit out of – high school two years ago you know and, and so I mean I thought our defense was phenomenal I thought they played extremely extremely well is this defensive line turning out to be one of the best oh, ever under fans or even yeah. fry for that matter yeah I mean I go back to Matt Roth when he was here and uh Babineau and uh, uh there was one other in there uh and they were they were incredible I'm telling you what these guys as a front four are about as good as I've seen I mean they just Claiborne is playing like I said at a, at a high level it's tough tough sledding when you try to run against this defense. Well, except for Daniel Murray's performance, this may have been the best overall play by the special teams. It was great to finally see a kickoff return for a touchdown again. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, a pretty good one, too. I mean, it was, you know, even he, once he got through the first line, it was pretty much smooth sailing, so. Um, and the punter's been great all season long. I think he's done a good job, and yeah, I, you know, I, I really felt like it was a game they could win. It was a game they could go in there and compete. I, I, like I said, I'm not convinced Ohio State is all that good of a football team. I think they're going to go out and, and get rolled in the, in the Rose Bowl by whoever they play out there. And So it's, it's frustrating for me from that standpoint to think that, you know, I, this was Iowa's year to be the Big Ten champs and, and uh, to, to lose two games to Northwestern and Ohio State that I didn't think we should have lost. I mean, that's, that's the most frustrating thing. But that's football. And it always is, you know, it's, obviously it's difficult to win in Ohio State, but... You know, I thought talent-wise, we were the better team. We discussed it the last couple of weeks now. It looks like Murray is, you know, regressing as the season goes along. What do you think's happening, and do you think Ferentz is losing confidence in him? Well, I, I was shocked to hear the commentators basically say that Kirk wasn't comfortable in his kicking game. Uh, and obviously, he's comfortable with his punter, so it's got to be that aspect of it. And you know, I'm not sure if it's, I'm not sure what the deal is. I'm not a kicking coach, but. Kicking is about routine, and it's about like a golf swing. It's just a matter of taking it back and putting it through and just doing the same repetition over and over and over again. It's not about how hard you hit it. It's about just striking the ball properly, getting the elevation off the tee, and then getting the rotation. And, and, and sometimes when you try to hit it too hard, I think things can go wrong, and then you get knuckleballs, you get, you know, it, it spins different. And it's just a matter of getting in a routine and, and stepping through your routine every single time. And, and you know, whether it's a a 55-yard field goal or an extra point, it should be the same exact motion. That's why these guys, you know, in the NFL, with the one face bar they've been playing since the 70s or 80s, are so good, is they just go out and they recreate the same motion every single time. And that's, 
you know, that's what he's got to do is just is, is create that, that continuous uh, methodical motion. Well, turning to this Saturday's game, the Hawks are still playing for a lot. They could still tie for the conference title if Ohio State stumbles at Ann Arbor, and they have a shot at a BCS Bowl. Yeah, you know, and, and thank, thank, thank the Iowa fans. I mean, that's the only reason they'll get a BCS Bowl with two losses over some of these one-loss teams or these undefeated teams is because we'll travel 20, 25,000 people, and it's because of the fans. And, and so, you know, kudos to the sports fans and the ones that tune in and listen to this radio, you know, the podcast. I mean, I think that's the true greatness of Iowa. Uh, and, and, and it's a true honor to this team to be able to have fans like that because ultimately we will go to a better bowl game because of the fans. Uh, but this is a great football team. And, yeah, if we, if we beat Minnesota and we're 10-2, and two, we should be playing somewhere nice. Now, should I be playing ahead of a, a Boise State or a Pitt that if they win the, went out? I don't know. I mean, but I think because of our fans, we probably will. It's also senior day for the Hawks. Is that probably a lot more meaningful for players than, say, homecoming or the opening game it of the is. season? It really is. There's, there's something about it uh, when you come out and you see your, your, your mom and your dad sitting out there in the field waiting for you and you hand them a flower and, and give them a hug and, and you realize this is your last game at Kinnick. Um, and, and you kind of think back to your four years here or five years if you're redshirted and, and uh, the journey and, and uh, you know, you kind of the, finish off the season it's you want your last game in Kinnick to be a victory when you think back to your senior day you remember what was going through your mind or how emotional it was for you or your family yeah yeah I mean it was uh for me it was a five-year journey you know and it was from the time I came in 190 pounds to the time I left at 235 uh, from being 6b on the depth chart to working my way up to becoming a consensus all-american I mean uh, you know the the spring ball the winter workouts the school the you know, uh, the summer, the off season. I mean, it, it's it was an unbelievable the experience of you know playing in a Rose Bowl, Freedom Bowl, two Holiday Bowls, Peach Bowl, you know, Michigan 12-10. I mean, I mean Ohio State. I mean, it, it's it's the culmination. It's you know, you, it's like you you know you reverse everything the last five years in fast motion and it just rolls through your head and and uh, you know that week and you realize this is my last game at Kinnick Stadium and uh, this is my last. My last game was, you know, regular season game as a Hawk. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty emotional. Well, Minnesota seems to have responded well to its own adversity, losing one of the best wideouts in the nation. Can you talk about them a little bit? It, it, it tells you how, how much parity is in football now because, I mean, they almost got beat last week by a team, you know, one double-A team. Uh, now, it's a good one double-A team, I think, to beat you and I. So, I mean, it's, that's, that's where we're at. We're, uh, we talked about you and I would be a mid-tier Big Ten team, and I think we're right. Well, this is another one of those teams. This is a team that's going to be like Northwestern. It's going to be a team that's going to be like, you know, Indiana. I mean, they can they can cause problems for you. And you know, it's a pro coach came from the Broncos that that runs a similar offense to what we want to run the zone. A lot of those guys remember last year when we went in there and just steamrolled them. Uh, so that's not going to be sitting well with them. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of things going on. But ultimately, I just I think our defense is very very difficult. To score a lot of points against, uh, and I think I'm, I don't know if we talked about it. But the first team to 17-1 last week ended up being 24. But actually, Ohio State got 17 first. But you know, I mean, I think it comes down to I, I don't think Minnesota's going to be able to score more than 17 points against this defense. And you know, here's the downside to last week: it, it is an emotional roller coaster. Unfortunately, you try not to get caught up in it. Kurt Ferentz tries not to get caught up in it, but that was a big, huge 
huge game for the Hawks. You win, you're in the Rose Bowl. That's huge. I mean, that's, that's the granddaddy of them all. And they were close. They were that close to having it, you know what I'm saying? And, and it is hard to recover from something like that. And yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna prepare this week, but yet you knew you were there and you're not there. And it's hard to get back and have that same chippy, you know, focus mentality. Now, to Coach Ferentz's credit, he's been able to do that for the most part the last seven, eight, nine years. So, you know, it, it's gonna be a true test to this team and the character of this team to see how they come out and they play and if they're prepared mentally and physically to answer the bell. But, you know, I just think that our defense is playing at such a high level that if our offense can even score 17, 18 points, we, we're going to win the game. All right, well, what do you expect to see? What are your keys and your prediction? You know, the key, keys are just the defense can, can just continue to be dominant. And then offensively, you know, can uh, Vandenberg continue the progression of getting better each and every week? You know, I mean, he's going to have setbacks, I know, during the course of the game, but he's still got to play. We can't play the 9 of 27 that he played against Northwestern. We need to be that guy that's going to come out and complete seven of his first 10 passes, move the chains, make the throws when he needs to make the throws, be able to run the ball effectively. And, and so we can't, we can't regress after you know, what was technically a great first start for Vandenberg. So we've got to stay focused around him, run the ball. I think the weather's supposed to be decent, but this time of year it could be windy, cold, sloppy, sleet, you know, rain, ice. And so, you know, special teams are going to be critical. And, and, and if, it's a, if it's a low-scoring game, you've got to score points on special teams, you know. And so we're going to have to knock a, a couple field goals through the post and be effective from that standpoint. All right. Uh, looking ahead here past Minnesota game, what would be your guess as to the bowl and opponent if Iowa wins on Saturday? I, I think a great matchup would be the Fiesta Bowl and playing at Boise State. I mean, I think you put that offense versus our defense. Uh, and then our offense versus their defense. I mean, I think you would have two distinct matchups there. I mean, I think offensively we, we would give them fits just from our physical nature. And then defensively, uh, you know, matching up with their speed and their finesse and their type of game. I mean, the, the Boise State-Oklahoma game there two or three years back was a phenomenal game, and I think it could be a similar matchup. The other scenario would be us going to the Orange Bowl against a Georgia Tech, an ACC champ. In, in, in Cincinnati would be a good matchup for the Hawks. I, I, I'm saying BCS. I, I, I'm, I think we should have a good chance to do it at 10 and 2. It just depends how Pitt does. Uh, you know, some of these other teams that are ahead of us in the BCS right now, they still have some pretty tough games ahead of them. So, you know, it's just a matter of how it all washes out. All right. Any other thoughts? No. I mean, just, uh, you know, senior day is always a great day as a, as a fan. And, as, uh, and like I said, I think the weather's supposed to be great. So. Uh, it's a chance for the Hawks to go out and just reestablish that, you know, what I believe, in my opinion, is the best Big Ten team of this, uh, of this season, and hopefully they'll play like it. In our Big Ten notebook this week, while Ohio State secured the Rose Bowl berth last Saturday by defeating Iowa, the Hawks, Penn State, and Wisconsin all can still become co-champs if they each win and the Buckeyes falter in Ann Arbor. Ohio State has now won at least a share of the last five Big Ten Conference championships, becoming the first team in conference history to win five or more straight titles on multiple occasions. Last week's win boosted Buckeye coach Jim Tressel into an elite group of coaches to claim five straight titles in his first nine years. 
in the conference's 113-year history. Only one other coach has done that, Woody Hayes, who earned six straight crowns from 1972 through 77. Only two coaches have earned six or more titles in their first nine years in the Big Ten. Those were Michigan's Bo Schembechler and Minnesota's Bernie Bierman. With their wins last week, Minnesota and Michigan State both became bowl eligible, joining Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Northwestern. The Big Ten also had sellouts in four of its six games last Saturday, allowing the conference to surpass the five million mark in attendance for the fifth straight season and only the seventh time in conference history. There are multiple trophy games this weekend in conference play. In addition to Iowa and Minnesota squaring off for Floyd of Rosedale, Indiana and Purdue play for the old oaken bucket, and the winner of the Michigan State-Penn State game takes home one of the newer trophies in the conference, the Land Grant Trophy. There will be a major shift in the Big Ten schedule beginning next season. Every team will have a bye week during the season, which means that every team will also finish after Thanksgiving for the first time in conference history. There's a split among the coaches on this change. Ferentz and Trestle, for example, think it's a bad idea. Brett Bielma and Ron Zook, on the other hand, are in favor based on their experiences in other conferences. This change will certainly impact key games, often the rivalry games, and may create attendance problems at some schools because of the Thanksgiving break. In fact, Ferentz may push to move Iowa's last game back into the first week of December, which is possible with permission from the Big Ten Conference. It will be very interesting to see how this unfolds over the next few months. Besides Iowa-Minnesota, key Big Ten games this Saturday include Ohio State at Michigan, Wisconsin at Northwestern, and Penn State at Michigan State. Every one of these games has the potential of impacting the conference championship. This is also the 10th straight year the outcome of the Buckeyes-Wolverines game will directly impact the title. Also, three Big Ten teams still have a chance to hit the 10-win mark of the season if they are victorious on Saturday. Those are Iowa, Ohio State, and Penn State, while Wisconsin can also hit that mark if it wins its last two games. And last but not least, Illinois finally has a pretty good chance not to lose this weekend. It's their bye week. One other note, the Big Ten's hopes of garnering a second BCS bowl bid were substantially improved as a result of last Saturday's results when USC, Miami, Houston, Utah, and Arizona all lost. Most likely in the running are Iowa and Penn State, with Wisconsin still having an outside chance. This kid's playing lights out. I know it's only a quarter, but this kid is playing better than anybody could have hoped. Should have been six. The veteran Strauss, senior back in his home state of Ohio, he's from Avon Lake, dropped it. 32-yard field goal try by Daniel Murray, and it is good. Iowa, a 17-point underdog, first on the board today. Under a minute to go, first quarter, it's 3-0 Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. We turn now to Pat Hardy's segment. You can read Pat's articles in the Iowa City Press Citizen and on Hawk Central. Sean Patchett talks with Pat about last week's game and the Minnesota contest. Given all of the doom and gloom going into this game, it turned out to be a pretty spectacular football game. Uh, probably everything a conference championship, championship game should be. Yeah, they, um, it exceeded my expectations. I had Iowa losing 16-3 to in my prediction. I didn't think the offense would mount much of anything. I, didn't, I thought they'd have trouble getting across midfield. I think I 
overestimated how much Vandenberg struggled against Northwestern and thinking that was going to be a carryover effect into the Ohio State game. But I think Vandenberg, to me, was the story within the story. Granted, I know they lost the Big Ten Championship in the Rose Bowl under really frustrating circumstances, but to me, they found a quarterback, and now they have a really good backup quarterback to where I think even in the back of Ricky Stanzi's mind, this will push him to say, you know, I can't keep throwing these interceptions. I got a guy who's really good behind me, so I'm going to have to even pick my level of performance up. We might as well get right to it. The hottest topic since the loss has been the first decision to sit on the ball at the end of regulation and just go into overtime. You defended Kirk overall in your column on Monday. Others, including some of the Iowa media, have been sharply critical of the decision. Yeah, I, I can see both sides to it. I'm not saying that this is not a two-sided argument. I just have a problem with the people who think that he made a mistake, insisting that there's no other argument to this. I just think that Kirk realized that Vandenberg had thrown interceptions, two in the second half, one on the most recent series, if I'm not mistaken. One of the interceptions had been taken back for a touchdown, and Vandenberg admitted afterwards that in the second half, Ohio State was doing some things on defense to confuse him. He was a little rattled in the second half, and I think Kirk was worried about things self-destructing there at the end after they had fought all the way to get back. I don't think he wanted it to end on a costly turnover there in, a, in Iowa territory at the end, and I think that's what he avoided, and and I don't really have a major problem with it. Had he thrown an interception, those same, or they lost a fumble, those same fans would be complaining, saying, you know, you're conservative all the time. And then the one time um, with the Big Ten title on the line, you, d you decide not to be conservative and you put your quarterback in that situation. He was in a no-win situation. I think it's time to move on. What message do you think it sent to his team? It seemed like they came out a little bit flat in overtime. I don't know if it really sent a message. I just think they just the right side of the offensive line collapsed in overtime. That's what happened. If you want to get right down to it, the right side of the offensive line on all three plays, Robinson's run, the first play where he did the bootleg and rolled out and had nobody open, but he was still pressured. Then the play where he was sacked, I mean, he was sacked. The right, the entire side of the line just collapsed. That's what happened in overtime. I don't have a problem with the fact that they went to try to win the game in overtime. Kirk's, Kirk went into that game 4-1 and one in overtime, and I just think that he liked his team's chances in. It's unfortunate that they missed the that they didn't get the coin toss and what have you. But I think another thing Kirk was thinking of was they had a field goal kicker who had just missed a 22-yarder. I just don't think he was really optimistic about the chances at the end. But I, I, I just think the biggest thing in overtime was the fact that the offensive line, to me, kind of let them down. Probably the brightest spot was the performance of James Vandenberg, probably under the worst potential circumstances. In spite of some mistakes, overall he was terrific. Oh yeah, without question. I think we saw a quarterback come of age, and like I said earlier, Ricky Stanzi's gonna have to stay on top of his game when he comes back, because there's a good quarterback pushing him, and the one thing Stanzi doesn't have is Vandenberg's arm strength. Vandenberg can make some throws that Ricky could probably make, but I don't think he could make them under the same circumstances. That slant pattern where James, Van, where James just rifled the ball into McNutt for that touchdown, that was an impressive throw, and I just think that's a throw that um, a lot of quarterbacks can't make. So yeah, I, I think it was very, very, fans should be very excited about the fact that they, they have that quarterback now, that there's a backup quarterback that they can rely on because now that, that gives you a lot more security. You know, we touched on it a second ago, the offensive line collapsing in overtime, but overall it seemed to be their best performance of the season. I, I disagree. I didn't. I thought they did okay pass blocking for the most part, but I mean, when you have a running back who I think Adam Robinson had at least six or seven runs where he lost yards, I just think that the run blocking by Iowa compared to the run blocking by Ohio State was not even a comparison. I mean, Ohio State ran for 229 yards. Iowa ran for 
they, I think Iowa as a team averaged less than three yards per carry. So, yeah, I thought the offensive line was okay, but I thought not near as good as Ohio State. And then I thought in overtime it was just horrible. At least the right side of the line. Because if you notice, Van, Adam Robinson, when he ran, he kept trying to stretch the play out because there was nowhere to run inside. And it was they lost 16 yards on back-to-back plays in overtime because there was no blocking. With Wagner not playing, talk about the performance of Adam Robinson coming off his injury. I thought he did... Okay, I mean he had 70 yards rushing, which is that's enough to give you some play action to give you some balance on offense. I, I just think he was hurt by a lot of negative carry plays where there was just not much blocking, or maybe if there was he missed a hole or what have you. But for a guy coming off an ankle injury like that, he more than held his own in a very tough circumstance. At least most of the receivers turned in really good performances, with one notable exception. Talk about their play overall, and then about what was probably the worst game of Trey Sauce's Iowa career. Yeah, the receivers, I mean, Darrell Johnson, Koulianos, and Marvin McNutt are big-time receivers, and right now Iowa's got a good combination going with them. McNutt is a playmaker. He's got, I believe, like eight touchdowns now. He's scoring touchdowns in every game now. He's doing them in different ways, and Darrell shows his explosiveness by returning that kick. Trey Strauss, I just think he overanalyzed and just got too wrapped up in the circumstances being an Ohio native and it just backfired and I feel sorry for the kid because he issued an apology on his Facebook page because he's getting ripped by fans on his Facebook page and on message boards and yeah it's unfortunate he picked the worst time to have his worst game against the worst opponent he wanted so much to do something against Ohio State and it just didn't happen. Some would say the coaches left Strauss in the game one too many series although after his third drop he sat the rest of this game yeah no he was out for most of the second half and he's a fifth year senior who's been who you trust and you got to give him a chance to fight through the drops and i think they thought that was going to happen but then after a while it got to the point where maybe they figured it was getting to his getting in his head and that's when they made the change i think can you talk about the tight ends you know they finally emerged again in this game yeah i mean tony had a couple nice catches and he did some good blocking too but i've still been a little surprised why the tight ends haven't been more involved and if they are being covered as much as they have been why some other things haven't opened up but maybe that's why marvin mcnutt's been open so much i mean marvin's really come on and had some great statistics so maybe that's a direct result of the coverage on the tight ends if you look at the stats and consider the circumstances could one make the argument that iowa's defense outplayed the buckeyes no, I don't think so because Ohio State ran for 229 yards. I mean, to me, that was the most telling statistic in the game. They just ran right through Iowa. They had two 100-yard rushers. And, I mean, to give up 229 yards rushing in a game with the Big Ten titles on the line, to me, that was the underlying factor. Ohio State was more physical than Iowa. Iowa showed its resilience by coming back and making it a game and pushing it to overtime. But the difference was Ohio State could run when it needed to, and Iowa at times couldn't. Uh, Iowa's defensive line... Uh Pretty dominant, uh, another outstanding by Adrian Claiborne, and there's been increasing talk that he may be leading for the NFL. That's what I'm hearing too, and if he does, it's just, he's a fourth year junior, he redshirted his first year, and more power to him if he does. I could see why NFL careers are short-lived, and he's had a great, I think that game right there made first team all Big Ten for him, because this is a year loaded with defensive linemen, but he was the best defensive lineman on the field that day, and um, so yeah, if he does leave, I think they'll be okay, but they will definitely miss his playmaking ability. Brett Greenwood seemed to return nicely from his injury. Yeah, he was, and that gives them, I think more than anything with him, he's a stabilizing factor. He seems to always know where to be in the right time, and he's getting better with each game, and I, I think that, that obviously it didn't, didn't hurt. Uh, another weekend of both good news and bad news on special teams. Uh, Iowa finally gets a kickoff return. Uh, Colin Sandman did a nice job returning punts. Uh, Daniel Murray continues to struggle, and it seems as though he's regressing as the season goes on. Uh, yeah, Darrell Johnson, Kulianos, 
finally his explosiveness paid off on special teams, which was huge. Colin Sandeman, I think all they wanted him to do was field punt so they could maintain that field position, which he did a great job of. And Daniel Murray right now is struggling. I mean, I think he's missed three of his last five field goals. He's missed field goals in most of these big games, and right now that's an issue. And that's the other thing I think we need to take into account. Ferentz didn't have Nate Cading standing there on the sideline. Had he had Nate Cading standing there on the sideline, he might have made a couple efforts to go for it and I don't think Ferentz is going to say that in the press conference either. I don't think he's going to throw his kicker under the bus to help explain why he didn't go for it in those closing seconds but they got to get Daniel Murray right because that's going to be a huge factor if they make it to a big, well, could be a huge factor Saturday. You can't have a field goal kicker doubting himself. Turning to this Saturday there remains a great deal on the line. A very real chance Iowa is still in the running for a BCS Bowl. Uh, how impressive a performance do you think the Hawks need to turn in against Minnesota to help make that scenario more likely? I think they just need to win convincingly. I think if they win 35-10, to 35-14, I think that's really going to be a nice promotion for a BCS Bowl game. If they struggle, I still think they have a chance. Now obviously they lose, all bets are off. They're probably going to go to the Outback Bowl if they lose. If you can believe that, this season being 9-0 and to the Outback Bowl. Nothing against the Outback Bowl, but they've been there so many times and I don't know if they could even drop lower than that to the Champs Bowl maybe at 9-3, and three. but if they win impressively, I think they got a legitimate shot at the Fiesta Bowl against Boise State, which would be a very intriguing matchup. The Gophers have played surprisingly well after losing arguably the best wide receiver in the Big Ten. Yeah, Minnesota's hard to read. Sometimes they're, they look decent. Other times they just look like they don't want to be there. Sometimes it, they've changed so much in philosophy, spread formation, power football. I just think being at home, being senior day, Minnesota's offense has really struggled at times this year. I think they had that stretch, two-week stretch where they scored maybe one touchdown. I'd be surprised if Iowa doesn't control this game. If they come out flat and lose this game, that would be really shocking to me. Not as much because of Ferentz, but mostly because of the seniors on this team with the Eads and Pat Anger. I just don't think they're going to let this thing slip away. What's your sense of quarterback Adam Weber? He's a good player. I mean, he can run when he has to, scramble. He's a decent thrower. I just think he's been hurt by the fact that Minnesota's not sure what they want to do on offense up there. They've changed their philosophy so much. But Adam Weber's the kind of guy, if you give him time and if you give him space, he's going to make things happen. What do you expect to see in this game? What are your keys to the game? And what's your prediction? I think if Iowa can run the ball and give them balance and make it to where Minnesota just can't load up on Vandenberg, that's huge. Avoid early turnovers. I mean, that's really huge. And avoid Minnesota doing some stuff on special teams. Minnesota always has good return people, so they need to take advantage of that. Get ahead early. I know they did that against Northwestern, but this is a... I don't think Minnesota has Iowa's number the way Northwestern does. That's obvious. It won't be like last year's game, trust me, but I think if Iowa gets ahead early and they stay and they just stay on top of things and are able to do that balance and play action, I think they should be okay. Well, you touched on you know, Boise State as a possible opponent in the Fiesta Bowl, but what's your prediction for a bowl game and a possible opponent? If they win Saturday, for some reason, I'm going to say they get the Fiesta Bowl and play Boise State. If they win convincingly, let's say, if they, if they lose Saturday, I think they're going to probably, wow, I mean, Outback Bowl or Champs Bowl. And if they win but don't look very good and it's a really ugly game, there's a chance possibly they could get passed up and go to the Capital One Bowl, I mean, at 10-2. Those are, the, those are the real options right there. Capital One at 10-2 and two or Fiesta at 10-2. and two. I would really like to see the Fiesta Bowl. I'd like to see them play Boise State. I think that'd be a really neat matchup. HawkeyesMike.com. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time www.hawkeyesmike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. That's 
74 Hawks. Just a reminder that you can be part of the next show by offering your own comments on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline will be open 24 hours a day. Just call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Also, visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, the latest Hawkeye and Big Ten videos, and team schedules. And don't forget, you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. I'm ready to go in, Coach. Just give me a chance. Fourth down at 26. Vandenberg heading toward the end zone, and it is intercepted by Anderson Russell, who wisely takes an E. So now Ohio State will take over on the 25-yard line, needing only three points to win the game, the Big Ten, and the BCS full bid. And, Sean, that's exactly what we were talking about before we started this. Your body of work to the start of this overtime period as that young freshman quarterback was absolutely sparkling. And right there, Cinderella just turned into a pumpkin. Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. It's hard to believe, but one of the most enjoyable seasons and magical seasons in Iowa football history will draw to a close this Saturday at Kinnick Stadium when Iowa hosts Minnesota in a long-time rivalry game where the winner holds Floyd of Rosedale. While the Hawks are 9-2 coming into this contest, the Golden Gophers are 6-5, and and as a result, both teams are already bowl eligible. Iowa is coming off its heartbreaking overtime loss at Ohio State. Minnesota struggled last Saturday at home to beat non-conference foe South Dakota State. This will be the 103rd meeting in the series, which Minnesota leads overall, 59-41-2. The Hawks have won seven of the last eight games and 12 of the last 16. The last Gopher win at Kinnick Stadium came in 1999. Overall, Iowa leads in games played in Iowa City, 26-23-1. On the other hand, in games played with Floyd of Rosedale at stake, Minnesota holds a 39-33-2 advantage. Last year's game turned into a blowout as the Hawks clobbered Minnesota 55 zip in the last college game played in the Metrodome. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz in his 14th year as a college head coach is now 91-76 overall and 59-41-2 at Iowa. Minnesota's Tim Brewster is in his third season with a career mark of 14-22. With a win on Saturday, the Hawks can clinch no worse than a second-place tie in the conference and still have a shot, an outside shot, at sharing the title if Michigan upsets Ohio State. A victory would also give Iowa its fourth double-digit win season in the 11-season tenure of Kirk Ferentz, and it would guarantee a January bowl game. The Hawks would also retain Floyd of Rosedale and, in fact, hold all three trophies from this season's contests. In addition to Floyd, that includes the Cy Hawk Trophy and the Heartland Trophy. Comparing the team stats, Minnesota has a scoring average of 23.5, Iowa's is 24.1. In total offense, Iowa is at 345.3, while the Gophers average 304.5 yards per contest. In scoring and total defense, Iowa has 
has a distinct advantage. Turnover margin is also in the Hawks' favor. Iowa is at plus two, while Minnesota is at minus two. While the Gophers have lost there and the Big Ten's leading receiver Eric Decker, they still have a good and veteran quarterback in Adam Weber. Although under a new offensive coordinator and a pro-style scheme emphasizing the run, Weber has struggled and not met expectations this season. Minnesota has shored up its defense since last year and are especially strong at linebacker and in the defensive line, and they have considerable speed at both the running back and receiver positions and a very solid tight end. James Vandenberg will make his second career start for the Hawks and hopes to build on his terrific performance at Ohio State, and hopefully we won't see as many drop passes at key moments in this game. The Hawks should have both Adam Robinson and Brandon Wager back at running back, which would be a huge advantage, and expect Iowa's defense to turn in one of their best games of the season. It will mark the final game in Kinnick for linebackers Pat Anger and A.J. Eads look for them to play lights out. Iowa's special teams play at Ohio State and really over the last few games has been improving overall. The major concern is place kicker Daniel Murray, who has clearly been struggling as the season has gone along. He's had several missed field goals and some very weak kickoffs. It will be important for Murray to get untracked in this game in anticipation of going into Iowa's bowl preparation. It's senior day for Iowa, always an emotional time for players and their families, but this contest may also mark the last appearances at home for stars Adrian Claiborne and Brian Bulaga. Both of those juniors are considering entering the NFL draft this spring. Not to mention the Kirk Ferentz to Notre Dame rumors, something I find hard to believe, but I digress. Perhaps this will be the contest when the Hawks play their most complete game on both sides of the ball. That would be an awesome way to finish the spectacular season and begin preparation for the bowl game, which, with an impressive performance by Iowa, is going to be a very good one. Sir! Do you know what I just saw? No, sir. A gopher! Gopher! Where? Do you know what gophers can do? Ooh, better get rid of those gophers. Is that clear? Oh, aye, sir. Very clear, sir. I'll put my best man on it. I want you to kill every gopher. The little brown furry rodents. We can do that. Aye. We don't even have to have a reason. Do it, man. A valiant effort by Vandenberg and the Hawkeyes, as is their custom... James Vandenberg will be crushed by the defeat, but he'll look back proudly at what he did today. He gave them a chance when very few thought they had a great shot today. You know, Sean, Iowa fans are going to go sit back now and think about this game, and they're going to remember the drop touchdown pass at the start and then the missed field goal. Now, Ohio State also missed a field goal, but it comes back to the drop touchdown pass at the front end of the game. That really should have, could have, would have. And we'll also think back about that approach in the final minute when they had the ball in their hand, decent field position, timeouts, a chance to go for the win, decided not to. A reminder about our next football show. It will be after the bowls are announced and will feature a review of both the Minnesota game and the entire 2009 season, as well as a preview of the bowl game. And a roundtable discussion with our regulars, Marv Cook, Pat Hardy, and Sean Patchett. Please check our website for updates. Our thanks again to ABC for the game highlights this week. Iowa Football 2009 edition continues to excite and entertain, and the Hawks have deserved the best the networks can offer this year. And thanks to our regular contributors Marv Cook and Pat Hardy. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes, all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. For Iowa fans, by Iowa fans. Nice work, everyone.
Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.